This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. What is happening, man? I'm glad I made it here. We had some issues <laughs> getting to the basement this morning. <laughs> Careful. That Charlotte traffic will get you every time, Anish. So, yeah, this is a pet peeve of mine. I'm driving down through Ritzy Myers Park. Myers you know, Park. Mars Park. Mars Park. And there is this uh, core of, of, of bikers, cyclists. Peloton, that's what it's called. A group of cyclists, right? That's a Peloton? I believe so. I, I, I think know. so. So, this Peloton of cyclists is in front of me. They're four or five wide. Holding up traffic for 10 minutes, and I'm behind them. And I mean, did you not yell out? Did you not roll the window down of your Rolls Royce and go, Listen, I'm the voice of the Carolina Panthers. Please move to the side of the road. I thought about playing the Ron Burgundy card. Do you know who I am? <laughs> but there's a bike lane on the side, and they could not go single file in the no, bike lane. So they're that. spread four or five wide. Again, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. It's me, and then there's 10 cars behind me. There should be no reason for traffic to be backed up that early because of cyclists. Everybody have their matching outfits? So that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. Okay? I, I don't understand this. I ride my bike. I wear a T-shirt, and I wear gym shorts. I don't need to look like Lance Armstrong to ride a bike. Why is that a thing? How did that become a thing? I don't know. You're, you're asking the wrong guy like, when it comes to cyclists. This isn't the Swiss Alps. You're no. not going through the Shimes LSA. It's better. You're in Myers Park. You're not fooling anybody. Sorry. You're a cyclist out there and you're offended. Good. Let me tell you something. You better be careful of that cycling community. I, I, about 20 years ago, I got on their case when I was doing local radio, eventually syndicated radio, and I had the same issue, and it did not end well. It's a powerful, it's a powerful group out there, those cyclists. What do they do? Send you, like, the skin-tight spandex? I, I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm just trying to help you. I'm here to help you. You're the voice of the Carolina Panthers. You can't be anti-anything. Just telling you. You're it's the voice a, of the Panthers. I, I'm telling you, though, that thing is a cult. Oh, that, I feel to be in that group, story. it is a cult. It's a whole different And I'm not story. trying to group people as a monolith. Well, actually, I am. You just did. I, I am. It's a cult. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, you good? Yeah, other than that, I'm good. I, uh, I found a little, um, a little cheat code locally. So... As you know, you've been in Charlotte for a long time. I've lived down here for 10 years. Vibrant city, growing city, burgeoning, emerging food scene, which keeps getting better and better. Number one cycling community in the country. That. There's one thing that I have not been able to find consistently in Charlotte, being a New Jersey guy. Good pizza. Okay. I can help you with that. Well, so there's a couple of spots, but I, I figured out like when you know the moment you walk in, if it's a good pizza spot or not. And it's taken me a long time to figure this out. But if you walk in and they look at you and they go, hey, how are you today? What can we get you from the menu? That's what, what, Walk out. Stop. Walk out. Stop. That is a Southern thing. No, it is. That's a, that, that, Welcome to the South. We're not even the deep South. Which, We're just I the South. which I appreciate in every other place except a pizza parlor. But when you walk into a place and they go, how you doing? What do you want? Right. That's the spot. Right. So did you find it? I did. There's a couple. You're going to give them a free pub? Lorenzo's in Ballantyne. Tony's Pizza in Ballantyne. Both in Ballantyne? Yeah. See, that's a whole different universe down there. That's where the SEC network is. On That's a whole different clan down there. But there's no nonsense. They bring the sewer water up from New Jersey. Well, you got to have that. They, they bring the contaminated... 
East River water up from New Jersey. That's what makes it. Yeah, it's New York. That's what makes the pizza really good. So you found a good bagel? Yeah. I mean, the, the, again, the places that have the sewer water, that's where you get the great bagels. Okay, so you've already, in, in the span of, let's see, we're four minutes in the show. <laughs> we, we've alienated uh, every Charlotte Mecklenburg County no, no, cyclist. No, no, no. We, we've we've well, given we're... props to two pizza joints. Yep. Anything else before we get cranked here? No, let's go. We're good? Let's, let's do the show. Well, first of all, again, Wes is playing golf. He'll be back tomorrow. I think he's down in Cartersville, Georgia, yeah. the rest of the week. But uh, we had part of the Syracuse takeover yesterday. Drew Carter was in here mm -hmm. yesterday. You come on in here with the pom-poms. We'll get in because we got lacrosse. we got baseball. we got gymnastics today, Can't believe wait. it or not. we got uh, softball. we got we got a little bit of everything on the show today, right? So, But since the last time you were here, you've been announced now as the voice of of the Carolina Panthers. So first of all, congratulations Thank on that you. front. So we go for a change of the voice of the Falcons, West Durham, little NFC uh, South love fest here to the voice of the Carolina Panthers. I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I kind of feel like I've kind of reached big time being able to work with two voices. <laughs> I mean, Gene Deckerhoff, of course, had just retired yeah. at Florida State, the voice of the Bucks. I mean, we got just about everybody cornered here in the NFC South. Yeah, I'll say this. Wes was an unbelievable resource through this whole process. I mean, he was my consigliere. I went to him, bothered him to no end. And I've been trying to link up with him for about two months to go grab lunch now because now... How about pizza? I got a good spot down there. Pizza. But now I'm on phase two because you know how Wes plays it. Wes leverages that gig like no other, right? Free food, free golf. I would know. Probably has a free car. So I got to figure out how to do that. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, how about we give you a free bicycle? You can end some and, and a Lance a Lance Armstrong outfit. Then I'd have to kick my own, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first of all, congrats Thanks, on that. Man. I know Thanks. you're thrilled. Glad to be here. All right, we'll talk more about that later on. All right, guest wise today, uh, Amy Smith is going to join us. If you say of all pack, Amy Smith, where, where have I heard that name? Amy Smith was just announced as the new gymnastics coach at Clemson University. They're going to start gymnastics in the fall of '23. Uh, she's a UCLA grad. She had some ties here to the ACC, which is at North Carolina for a while. So Amy will make her debut on the program. That's coming up in hour number two. The Power Hour, we're going with Christina Foreman from Duke Softball. We're getting the last weekend of softball. Duke, the defending ACC champ. Conference is loaded. Five teams in the top 25, which is great. And Brittany McKinney is going to join us, our ACC Network softball analyst, with all that stuff too. But we got lacrosse to get into. We got the ultimate showdown, number one versus number two in the country, just for an ACC title mm -hmm. on the women's side. Big weekend coming up with men's lacrosse, which we're going to get into here momentarily. We got baseball to get into because the rankings came out yesterday. The ACC's got seven teams in the top 25, which is more than any other conference in college baseball, which is impressive. And then you got all this stuff going on with name, image, and likeness. Uh, and by the way, we'd love to go even harder on Jordan Addison, but we still don't know if he's in the portal, all right? I just want to say that at 7.07 a.m., word could break literally any second, may not be till tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen on that front? But we got to find out if Jordan Addison's in the portal or not. I think people are making too much of all this. A lot of this stuff went on pre-NIL, pre-transfers. It just wasn't said out loud. Now we can say the quiet part out loud. Hey, I'm going to go to the place that gives me a bigger bag. So you don't have a problem with it. You, you don't have a problem I, I, with tampering? I think, the, I think the free market's going to take care of all this. Because the, the, I get the complaint, which is twofold. If you're a fan of the sport, more so in college basketball, it's, it's really hard now to follow college basketball because of 
in player movement, guys not sticking around long enough. That's a totally different argument. If you're a fan of the sport, I get it. There's a struggle to now follow the sport, follow your team, get invested in a great freshman class because you don't know if they're going to stick around. So if fan interest wanes and the money starts going away, I mean, what do you think happens to the name, image, and likeness for these players? You know, I think the free market's going to take care of itself. I do think we need a little regulation because at least in the NFL, for example, well, free agency, it's between this day and this day. And you know at the end of the year, this person's going to leave, this person's coming back. You, you, you kind of have that more so than in college. But again, th- this, I mean, Mark Emmert's on the way out, which is a good thing. But this is a problem that the sport has created for itself, where they had all these years to implement the system and try to come up with a way. And then they decided, ah, you know what, let's just throw everything out there and see what happens. I, I think, though, when you have an unregulated NIL market, which is what we have, and you have college zealots and boosters that, hey, got the pom-poms out, he can write the check, and money really is no object, it equals a major nightmare. It's a nightmare because there's no regulation anywhere to be found. Whether we're talking about the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, and to me, those are two separate deals, but I do have a problem with the tampering. I think we are going down a path that if it turns out, and I'm with you, I think this has probably been going on for a long time, but now everything's fair game because there's no rules, right? Everything's above board that you can do what used to be called cheating your you-know-what off. Right. Now it's all, hey, it's all legit, man. It's all above board. You know, don't yell at me. There are no rules, right? But when all of a sudden you can start making phone calls or having secondary market folks contact student athletes to go, hey, come play with us. I tell you what, I don't know what you're making there, but we'll triple whatever you're making. That's a problem. That's a problem for everybody. I don't care if you're a blue chip elite program. I don't care if you're a mid-major. I don't care who you are. That cannot happen in college sports. I wonder if we'll reach a point, again, this is going to evolve, where some of these NIL deals will come with a contract based on if you state your current school. Hey, you're going to school X. We'll give you this NIL deal. I mean, that's part of recruiting now. That's where we are. Let's not pretend on it. likewise. Uh, otherwise, okay, so you come to this school, and now some car dealership wants to sponsor you, fine. But if you transfer, not only does that go away, then you have to pay it back. We're, we're heading to this level where there's going to be some contractual obligation for the student-athlete. That's just where it's heading. Because, again, if you are a brand and you want that brand represented – it does you no good to see somebody that you're giving money to to represent your brand leave in a year or two years. Well, I, again, I've said this before. You, you can't put the genie back in the bottle because we don't even know where the bottle is anymore. Christina Aguilera has it. I, I, I don't know who's got it, but the genie's floating around going, hey, you know, I'm just going to float around a while because I don't know where to go, how to go back. But you've got to start putting some serious rules and regulations in terms of the transfer. You, we got to have windows put up in terms of there's only certain periods of time of the year that you can get up and leave. But when you do, as a student athlete, in my opinion, there have to be repercussions that, hey, you're making a business decision. I, I, you, you want to be an adult? You're 18 years old. You're making it just like you decided to go to school X. You made a business decision, like the coach, like the campus, love the academics, whatever. Maybe it's the, the pizza. I mean, that's what got me to go. Whatever your reason, you made a business decision to go there. If you make a business decision to leave, there are repercussions. You can't just be, hey, 
I thought I was going to be the starter. I'm not. Or, hey, my girlfriend broke up with yeah. me. See you later. I'm out of here. I'm not going to put in the work. Hey, there's got to be a repercussion that if you make a decision, guess what? Hopefully the grass is greener for you on the other side. Hopefully somebody is going to pay you more money. Hopefully you do have an opportunity to compete. Hopefully you do get a chance to get an education. The NCAA just gave out the data last week. 70% of student-athletes that got up and left beginning on August 19th to July 21st have found no place to land. Mm-hmm. Now only do you not have a chance to compete, you've given away a free education and whatever NIL opportunities were there. So when you make a decision, That's I think the there free needs, market, though. I, right? I got no problem with somebody getting up and leaving. I don't. I have no problem with somebody getting paid seven figures. Good. I'm for everybody getting paid. However, when you get up and leave and you make a business decision, there has to be a repercussion that, you know what, to do that, there's also some hurdles I'm going to have to go through. And right now, there are no hurdles. He or she can get up and leave in a millisecond. He or she can say, hey, forget the fine money you're giving me here. I'm going to get paid over here. There's got to be a deal that, hey, when you decide to leave, understand what you're giving up. Understand what you're And right now, there's nothing. There's nothing. Think about the business decisions you made when you were 18, 19, hey, 20. Were, I can tell you those were not good business no. decisions I made. And, and you can tell by the 70% that have now given away a free education and can't compete. And as Dabo Sweeney said, you got adults manipulating kids. And I think that happens all the time. Yeah, more so when, when the kids don't know. But again, this is the world that we've created. This is the world that exists now. And right. you've got to find a way to live in it. And it, it, I hate to say it is what it is. But until there is some regulation, you're going to have, I, I hate to use the Wild West, but you're going to have this cauldron. You're going to have this tempest. And it's going to be hard for everybody. Again, I just hope these kids have sound advice because you see it. You see it at the pro level, you see it at the college level, you see it at the high school level. The bigger your star grows, there's more people in that orbit. There's more people in your ear. You're not playing here, we'll go somewhere else. And sometimes you can be so short-sighted, you only see the micro, you don't see the macro. And what gets lost in this sometimes, let's say you do have a real future to make money down the road, big money as a pro. Player development, developing your skills. How many times have we seen a guy sit for a year, sit for two years, and in the long run, that's the best thing that happened to them. Now, I'm not saying that's for everybody. Maybe there's an opportunity elsewhere. But as you said, the grass isn't always greener. And I don't know if an 18, 19, 20-year-old is weighing all these things. I don't know if they've got marbles on a scale. Well, one in here, one in here, or it's just, okay, this isn't working out somewhere else. I can assure you at 18 to 22, you better luck into one. Because in all likely, you really don't have a handle on the big picture yet. And when you got people, you know, pulling you in every direction, known to man, go, hey, it's a better job for you over here. It's a problem. We got a real college sports. I think it's really at the crossroads. Yeah, right? I agree. It's at the epicenter of hey, you got to make some really tough decisions. I think in college athletics to start laying out the groundwork that hey, here is how we're going to conduct business. Because otherwise, I don't know where we're going. You need a plan. You need leadership. And right now, it has neither. And that's exactly right. Uh, we've got leadership. We got a plan because we're going to talk about a little bit of everything: football, basketball, baseball, tennis, gymnastics, lacrosse, and then some. We'll take phone calls too, wherever you want to go. Eight four four say ACCM. But when we come back, we're going to the diamond first. Baseball, ACC looking good in the top twenty-five. We'll get in all that, set it up for you. Anish filling in for West Durham. That would be the voice 
of the Panthers for the voice of the Falcons. I'm just Mark Packer. This is Packer and Durham on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Love and Life, number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. We'll take some phone calls. Like I said, today uh, we're going all over the board, but uh, we're now going to go baseball, all right? The ACC having a tremendous year. Three teams in the latest top 10, seven in the top 25. That's the most in the top 10. That's the most in the top 25 of any conference in college baseball. And Anish, uh, we're coming down the stretch ride, right? We got to later this month, the ACC championship mm-hmm. right here and literally in our backyard in Uptown Charlotte. But the conference has had a great, great year so far. Yeah, top to bottom. Virginia had that great start to the beginning of the season. Virginia Tech is coming. Big series win against the Hoos over the weekend. Miami's been solid most of the season. I love, love Florida State's one-two punch. Messick, Hubbard. I mean, that that's the type of pitching that can – win you a college world series frankly the other thing is not only do we have a lot of teams 12 of the 14 teams have been ranked at some point in time this yeah. year so the quality of depth is there seven teams in the top 25 enough said three in the top 10 ditto right uh but man how many teams can flat out rake i mean this is an offensive minded conference as far as baseball goes you know over the weekend i was watching uh georgia tech miami kevin parada the catcher for georgia tech 23 homers 21 strikeouts. Right. That's Joe DiMaggio That's type exactly of numbers. Right. He's got more walks than strikeouts, more home runs than strikeouts. Putting up the type of stat line, which in this day and age for college baseball and baseball in general, is unheard of. Guys don't care these days if they strike out, right? It's just, ah, you strike out. I strike out 100 times playing Major League Baseball. Big deal. Used to be a big deal. Not anymore. And to see this guy with the power production numbers, and a low strikeout total. Man, that's like warm and fuzzy stuff. I mean, <laughs> that brings you back a little bit. Well, it's uh, been fun to watch. And again, we're trying to chronicle everybody in the conferences of what we do on this show. But Virginia Tech's been a great story, right? Yeah. They're up to now number five in the country. Uh, like I said, you want a team that absolutely hits the baseball all over the joint. They do. They beat Virginia on a road series for the first time since dirt over the weekend. Great crowds at the dish. Uh, I mean, it was just cool what's going on in baseball in this conference. And you mentioned the pitching of Florida State. seems like everybody's got something that mm-hmm. can cause a problem, which I think makes for the ACC tournament to be out of sight here in the Queen City. I'm, I'm happy for Virginia Tech to see them doing so well after the way things unraveled down the stretch a season ago. I mean, they were right there on the bubble a year ago, and it looked like maybe a chance to you know, even have an opportunity to host a regional and then just you know kind of tank down the stretch. Um and then, you know, you watch your rival, Virginia, get hot late, get all the way to the College World Series. So uh, to see what Virginia Tech has done to turn it around and put together the season they have has been impressive. Uh, Miami got off to a blistering yeah. start. Again, they lost two of three at Georgia Tech over the weekend. Uh, but this is what makes the league fun because almost every single weekend you go into a ACC breakdown and you're like, well, who do you like in a series? You're not exactly sure. And I know BC struggled, but, man, they pushed the envelope to the edge with a team like Notre Dame who had to score 11 and to bomb the six on Sunday to rally past them and end up winning the series. But it seems like no matter what the matchup is in the ACC baseball, you are in for entertainment because everybody seemingly can hit the ball. Yeah, the league's come a long way uh, in a short time. And you, know, you mentioned Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame last year kind of came out of nowhere, surprised everybody to see them have that kind of staying power and to see what Link Jarrett has built in South Bend. Awfully impressive. 
They're a bona fide top 25 team. There are no easy outs in that conference this year. I'm excited when we get to Uptown and have that conference tournament here. It's going to be wild. You know, the ACC has made it to Omaha 15 consecutive years. I'd be stunned if that doesn't get pushed to 16. But eventually, though, you got to close the deal in Omaha, yeah. right? I mean, we, we can talk about the regular season, which is great. Teams are really good. Seven in the top 25, as I pointed out. But at the end of the day, can you close the deal in Omaha? Only one time has that happened in that span. That was Virginia a handful of years ago. And, of course, the Hoos are good enough to get back and win it again this year, given their offensive output. But that's what the deal is going to be for the conference, right? Can you close the deal in Omaha? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Virginia offensively, this is the team I thought we would have seen last year. They really scuffled early. They got hot late. They had better pitching last year, but their pitching has come a long, uh, a long way this year. Offensively, one through nine. I mean, boy, that lineup with with Geloff and, and, and Newell. I mean, everybody hits. There are no easy spots in that lineup. And even some of the young guys that they brought in, uh, freshmen have come in, set the table. Uh, I'm I'm bullish on Virginia. I caught them a little bit early when they were blowtorching everybody, and they've cooled off a little bit of late. But given the experience, the fact that they were in Omaha last year, um, and the progression that the returning players have made, I, I think Virginia could could be a team to watch here. Well, now you got Miami. Miami's taking care of business right now in the coast. So they got a couple game lead and doing their thing. And yep. again, Virginia Tech's rocking and Virginia's playing well. We know about all that. The other side, you just mentioned Notre Dame. Uh, they win two of three against Boston College, but they lose ground in the standings because leading the Atlantic, <laughs> here they go, the Louisville Cards. Coach yeah. Max, always good, always consistently good. And they're fresh off of putting 35 runs on the board over the weekend against Clemson, sweeping the Tigers. Louisville right now controls their destiny at the top. Yeah, Louisville certainly is uh, the team to watch in the Atlantic. And, hey, I can't forget about Tommy Tanks, right, in NC State. Yeah, hope he gets healthy. He, he got does. injured over the weekend. I got a note from Elliot Avent last night because uh, he reminded me, my man Carlos Rodon, who's now pitching for the San Francisco Giants, goes tonight against the Dodgers. So Elliot and I were going back and forth all that. But hopefully Tommy will be back. But, you know, we talk about these races real quick, and we can throw up the Coastal Division, too, if you want to see it, because Miami does have control, even though they lost two out of three against uh, Georgia Tech over the weekend. And again, Hokies are only one back in the loss column. And they're they're balling. They've won six consecutive weekend, three-game weekend series against the ACC competition. Four of those uh, matchups, by the way, against ranked teams. So they are playing big-time baseball and getting the job done. You talked about Virginia, how good they are. Uh, we get Georgia Tech this weekend on ACC Network, which I'll talk about here in a second. But all these matchups are fun. I'm just telling you, you can't really have a bad weekend series. No, and we're getting into that stretch run here in the ACC where Miami, Virginia Tech, you know, Virginia, Georgia Tech, every, everybody is in the mix. Even even the teams there at the bottom, like Duke on a good day can beat you. Yeah. Carolina's got a lot of really good young talent. Uh, you know, Clemson got off to a great start. Uh, they were playing actually well before they went in and got ambushed by Louisville. And, uh, oh, Max Wagner, all he does is go yard, too. He's going crazy. He's hit 21 this year. So there's always cool storylines. Luke Gold of BC, yeah. one of the best pure baseball players you're going to see. So ACC baseball tournament at the end of the month right here in Charlotte, and you'll be good to go. I do want to throw in one quick thing. I know this was a baseball segment. Uh, I do want to throw in some tennis real quick because the NCAA bids came out yesterday, and the men – Nine ACC teams, nine wow. ACC men's uh, tennis teams got bids to the NCAA tournament. That include Duke, Florida State, Louisville, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Notre Dame, Virginia, and Wake Forest. Three of those nine are seeded. 
you got Virginia at seven, Wake at nine, and my excuse me, North Carolina at fifteen. So congratulations to the men. The women's side, eight ACC teams got bids to the NCAA women's tournament, including five that are listed as top sixteen seats. Five in the top sixteen. So congratulations to all seventeen of the ACC teams that got bids to the NCAA tennis championships, which get cranked up. Coming up this week. So, there you go. Serving volley. Let's go. So, again, spring sports have been out of sight. When we come back, though, my man Anish, she's going to talk a little lacrosse because it is a big weekend coming up. But before we do all that stuff, I do need to tell you, since we have baseball in the brain, Friday night, Georgia Tech cracked the top 25 this week. They're number 21 in the land. They're going to Tiger Town to see the Clemson Tigers. You got all of that. It's the first of three series right there. Doug Kingsmore, good seats, always managed, great place to watch ball game. Check it out. That game this Friday right here on ACC Network and ESPN, the app. You'll be able to go check it out. All right, quick break. We come back. Nish, we go to your bread and butter. Wax, baby. May Madness. Here we go. Nish is fired up. The voice of the Panthers in the studio with the Hounds. We talk in lacrosse. We come back on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham from the basement. Anish filling in for Wes. He's on the links today. He'll be back in Cartersville the rest of the week. You got the number at 844-SAY-ACCN. All right, Anish, your bread and butter. You're a Syracuse guy. Everybody knows from Syracuse loves lacrosse. The conference is loaded. We got a one versus two yeah. ultimate showdown for the ACC title on the women's side coming up on Saturday in Chapel Hill. That's not one and two seed in the league. That's number one and number two in the country the men, this is a huge week coming up. Yeah, so we are getting into the end game. The selection day, the selection show, Sunday, 9 o'clock on ESPNU men's and women's show. Um, Duke and Notre Dame play this Saturday on ESPN2 in South Bend. Now, if and Notre Dame wins, they can tie Virginia in the standings, right? That doesn't matter. But though. that's irrelevant. Irrelevant. So... Because the ACC only has five teams, there's no conference tournament. And even if there was, there's no automatic qualifier. So the way the bracket's decided, 10 leagues that have at least six teams all have the AQ. You win your league, you win your conference tournament, you're in. And then there's eight at-large teams that are selected. So last year when the ACC had an unbelievable year, five of the eight at-large spots went to all five ACC teams. This year, Virginia's going to get in, two-time defending champion. After that, I only think one other ACC team's going to get in. It's Duke or Notre Dame. And guess what? They play this week. So that's how you, that feels like a true lose or leave town match, right? It's not only a lose or leave town match because right now I've got Duke in, but Duke needs to win to stay in. Notre Dame is playing as well as anybody in the country right now. Notre Dame has the capability to play on Memorial Day and play for a championship, even win a championship. The same with Duke, one of the most talented rosters in the country. One of those two teams capable of winning a national championship won't get in. You know why? RPI. When the committee meets, how much do you think eye test matters? Well, depending on the sport and the committee, that number varies. But you're telling me that's a Zippo here. Zippo. A win in February counts as much as a win in late April or early May. You know why? Because according to the committee, if a team evolves or if there's injuries, that doesn't matter. So RPI has become this overriding metric. And it's great in basketball when you have a sample size. 
of 30-some-odd games. In college lacrosse, Notre Dame's played 10 games, 11 games. There's not a whole lot to choose from. And, for example, Notre Dame opened the season by playing Detroit Mercy. All right? I feel like Glengarry Glenn Ross here. You know, Mission of Mercy. They're doing Detroit Mercy a favor. A relatively new program. Hey, we'll play you. You get to see what the high end looks like. It gives your program something to aspire to. The Irish win that game 24-2. to It hurts them because of RPI. And yes, you can only take the top 10 teams that you play in terms of RPI, but it's factored in with strength of schedule. So now it brings down your overall strength of schedule. So there's no incentive to grow the game. There's no incentive for a Virginia to play an HBCU like a Hampton, which is a fledgling program, which if Hampton can arrive on the scene would be great for the sport because it would hurt Virginia's RPI. So when you have that formula, there's this inexact science and there's very little subjectivity in it. And we've been on the phone with the committee a number of times in the pre-selection show process when they kind of give us the lay of the land with the bracket. And we ask them, how much did you factor an eye test? And they've told us there is no eye test. Now, theoretically, is there room for subjectivity? Sure. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. So who do you like between Duke and Notre Dame? It, honestly, it is a toss-up because the history here is so significant. If you're a Notre Dame fan, the one team that has broken your heart more than any other in this last decade is Duke. 2010, national championship game. Duke and Notre Dame, overtime. Duke wins the opening faceoff. C.J. Costabile goes down and scores. Duke wins the national championship. Then they knock off Notre Dame in a couple of quarterfinals. I think it was 2012 and 13. 2014, Duke beats Notre Dame in a championship game. 2019, overtime. Duke beats Notre Dame in another quarterfinal. So Duke has eliminated Notre Dame five times in the NCAA tournament, beginning with 2010. This is essentially another elimination game. So past isn't always prologue, but boy, there is a fun backstory here. No, we talked to Kark uh, probably two weeks ago, and he said then, watch out for Notre Dame, because he got a sense that offensively they're starting to peak at the right time. They're scoring left and right, and that has absolutely turned out to be true. So with that said, from a momentum standpoint, does Notre Dame got the advantage from uh, that standpoint? They do, and they're home, and they're playing really well. Their goalie has been lights out, Liam Entman, uh, no relation to uh, Entman's pound cake, which now, now, I, now I'm now getting hungry, right? Yeah, crumb cake. Crumb cake sounds good right about now. <laughs> um, offensively, they got the two Kavanaugh brothers, Pat and Chris, those two guys were in sync. They brought this kid out of nowhere, Jake Taylor, four or five games ago. And he's been a revelation. He's been the missing piece of this offense. He doesn't need the ball in his stick. First game that he started against Syracuse, scored eight goals, a program record. I think he had three career goals prior to that. Their midfield is really good. Their faceoffs are getting better. Um, this is a team that has not won a national championship, and they've been close so many times. I'm telling you, if Notre Dame doesn't get in, a team that legitimately could dogpile on Memorial Day is going to be left watching at home, and it would be a travesty. But Duke or Notre Dame, I mean, two really good teams. One of those won't make the NCAA. Well, there's high drama this week. And with that game, obviously, on the men's side, meaning so much as far as who gets in. And like I said, with the ladies' side, number one versus number two, national ranked one versus two for an ACC title. We'll get in all that stuff. But – 
You are Mr. Lacrosse. Yeah. So, uh, Crystal Ball, what do you think is going to happen as far as the selection committee goes? Yeah, so I went Joe Lenardi on everybody, and here I put together a little uh, little mock bracket here. So, before we get into it, a couple things that this is based on. RPI, and the committee released what its top 10 looked like over the weekend. You can go find that. So, I used that. I used RPI. The top eight teams are seeded. Nine through 16 does not exist. So, then the committee uses geography to create the matchups. And as of right now, as of now, this could change. I don't see an ACC team hosting. Virginia, that I think... That doesn't even sound right. It, it right? does I mean, for the last couple of years, this conference has been so ridiculously good. It's, to even only see two teams on that list is kind of bizarre. Yeah, last year, Duke hosted, North Carolina hosted, Virginia hosted, and Notre Dame all hosted in round one. Syracuse made the tournament, and they were on the road um, for that game. So uh, what's fascinating here, Yale-Boston University, that's a geographical matchup. Rutgers-St. Joe's, again, geography. The NCAA wants to save money on travel. I think they'll put Virginia against Brown, which is interesting because Lars Tiffany, Virginia's head coach, used to coach at Brown, so that's his alma mater. Ideally, you want to be on the opposite side of the bracket as Maryland. Beating Maryland, which is undefeated and has steamrolled everybody, looks to be impossible when they have a week to prep. To me, the best shot you have of beating Maryland is on Memorial Day when it's two games in three days and maybe teams are a little tired and maybe you can use your depth. So you want to be on the opposite side of the bracket as Maryland. But uh, here's where I think things can change. The Ivy League is probably going to get five teams in. They've got their tournament this weekend. If Cornell and Penn lose in that Friday semifinal, all of a sudden there's an opportunity for a Virginia, for a Duke if it beats Notre Dame to host a first-round game. Georgetown is one to watch. They are going to be in the tournament no matter what. If they lose in the Big East tournament, now you got a bid thief. And so who's that bid thief coming for? Could it even be the winner of Duke-Notre Dame? I mean, that that's a scary thought where – Duke, Notre Dame, the winner. Could they get left out if somebody wins the Big East AQ? Um, Ohio State's a wild card here. They have a head-to-head win against Notre Dame, head-to-head win against Harvard, a couple of teams on the bubble. So, uh, boy, a lot of moving parts. It's a big weekend in lacrosse. Selection show is going to be on Sunday night, men's and women's, 9 p.m. The the squeeze here on the ACC, was that just nothing more than the Ivy League's playing this year? Would you, is that, or is that too easy to say? So, you know, what, what's interesting about the Ivy, in 2020, they were the best conference in lacrosse. 2021, they made the decision not to play. Right. It was the only league that did not play. And you had tons of transfers. The ACC took advantage of it and had an incredible run. Right. Tons of transfers and exodus of star power to, to graduation as well. And they've come back and they won all these games early in the season in non-conference. So what does that do? That boosts your RPI. So now when you get into conference, and this is what the ACC's done in the past, you cannibalize each other, but there's no real impact on your RPI. Right. So that's what we're seeing. You know, they got enough close wins, and they got enough wins in February and March against teams out of conference. Penn, for example, in overtime beats Duke. Brown has had some you know, big wins. Uh, Yale, Cornell, Princeton. Princeton beat Georgetown. So now once you get in a league, you're not penalized – for your losses, and so you can beat up on each other and you'll still get in. 
All right, so summarize. Uh-huh. You think two ACC teams get in? I do think two get in. I think it's Virginia and the winner of Duke-Notre Dame. And, and as far as that game goes, Notre Dame's got momentum. Mm-hmm. Duke's got the mojo as far as they were in your head. Yeah, and Duke's played well of late. Duke is starting to turn it around. Duke, you know, was hard to figure out because they have as much talent as anybody in college lacrosse. That'll be good, man. You know what? We're not doing that either because when we come back, the nation's number one team takes on the nation's number two team. And it's an ACC thing. And it's going to be in Chapel Hill on Saturday night. And we're going to talk about it. All right? Maybe the new rivalry. Just just saying. These two absolutely have star power. We'll discuss it when we return. Packer and Durham. Anish filling in for Wes. Got us right here on the ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. I, today, have a chance to chill out with the voice of the Carolina Panthers. That's Anish Shaw filling in for Wes, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. Arch rivals, the I-85 war. I might have to leave him a little something here before I, I go. Yeah, you might. You know what? You can, well, you know, he's not here until, in fact, I'm not sure when I'll see Wes in here again. May 16th, I think, is when he's back here in the studio. It's I the call longest this. Round I say of, the studio. It's my freaking basement. The longest round of golf ever. No, he, he's doing. He's got golf yesterday and today, and then he's going to do the show from home Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then next week we have. Uh, let me think. Monday, I'm here. Obviously, Wes is in Cartersville, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're from Florida for the ACC spring meetings. So that's the deal. So I won't see him till Monday the 16th in the basement. Wow. So if you want to leave something, or hey, I left it at home. Let me get a slice at Tony's. I'll come back and drop something off him. You could do that too. I want to give him a nice Panther shirt. You can wear I, that. Whatever. You can wear that around the Falcons. Whatever facility. you want. I don't think he's going for that. I don't. All right. Here's what we are going with: uh, women's lacrosse. We have this uh, championship game Saturday night here on the network, which is going to be great. And here it is: Saturday at 6 p.m. Number two BC, number one North Carolina. It was a little 16-15 deal in the regular season. Anish, these are two star-studded teams. BC, the defending national champ. North Carolina never loses, it seems like, in regular season play. Now we're in this postseason thing. Uh, the Heels have been in 11 of the last 12 ACC title games. BC's been in the last three of the last four. I mean, you couldn't script a better case scenario for not only an ACC title, but this feels like a national championship caliber game. Oh, they're going to play again. This isn't the last meeting between these two. This will be the second of three. And go back to when they played last year. Yeah. Regular season early on, North Carolina waxed Boston College. BC got UNC back in the national semifinals. BC ends up winning the national championship uh, with Charlotte North. The star power, too. Uh, I mean, boy, uh, Moreno, Ortega. UNC's got some real star power. So does BC with Charlotte North. Um, one of the greatest players, maybe... Now, one of the two or three greatest the, the, the game has ever seen at the, at the women's collegiate level. Um, and, and innovative, transcendent, inspiring, that kind of player. This is it. This is now the new dynamic to carry women's lacrosse forward. The fact that they are in the same league, I think it makes it even more appealing because we get to see this matchup a couple of times a year, maybe even three times in one of these years. But... Um, I'm excited. I mean, you know, they played in the regular season, one goal game, 16-15 barn burner. They met last year in the semis, one goal game. You know, BC showed something last year by kind of passing Carolina. Um, 
think Carolina might have the deeper team this year. I think they've got a slight edge. Uh, what's cool about this is, to me, the star power, yeah. right? I mean, you just mentioned Jamie Ortega, who's unbelievable. Taylor Moreno was on the show yesterday, and if you missed her, you'll catch that coming up in hour number two. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, we don't need to talk about Charlotte North anymore. Goodness gracious. I mean, she is a, a superstar. I mean, forget about a star. Superstar. Big picture. But the fact that both teams can light it up like nobody's business. I mean, this game has everything you want. The fact that BC's never won an ACC title and have openly said, this is on our to-do list. Mm -hmm. We are here to win an ACC title. And they're the defending national champion. We talk about North Carolina and all the amazing streaks of what they've done in terms of wins and what they've dominated the league and all this stuff. And yet, here they are having to beat the team that was the defending national champion. So it's got great storylines and great angles. If you love star power, if you love high scoring, you love elite play, this game has everything you want and a title at stake. Yeah, Carolina, uh, Jamie Ortega, Caitlin Wurzberger. I mean, what a one-two punch. You throw in Grownie in there. When you look at what Carolina has done to its competition, with the exception of really three games, four games, they've destroyed everybody. I, I was mildly surprised Notre Dame gave them a scare. Um, Jumped them five zip right out of the gate. Yeah, ended up being 14-13. That was, that was close. But don't you think it helps North Carolina? I mean, don't yes. you need a game? like when, when, when I don't care the sport. When you see a team that's absolutely running roughshod mm -hmm. over everyone, I don't care if it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, eventually you need to have that moment where guess what? You know what? Somebody reaches into your soul and says, hey, what are you really made of? And I thought that you saw that with North Carolina on the road at Notre Dame, down 5 nothing. We talked to Taylor Moreno about this yesterday, and she's like, hey, we had to take a deep breath and go, okay, we've been here before, let's regroup, and let's roll. And they did. Yeah, that, that's the part sometimes in all this. You miss Gonzaga is a good example. We've seen this in the NCAA tournament a no few doubt. times. You know, They run through their West Coast Conference, and then all of a sudden, whoa, okay, now you're down. You, you know, you step up How in competition. Now, UNC plays comparatively in a much better league in the ACC, but you start blowtorching everybody, you're not used to pressure situations. And they've had very few of those this year. You kind of get that heat check right before the NCAA tournament, right before this BC game. It helps to refocus you, reinvigorate you. From a coaching standpoint, I think it's a coachable moment, right? Hey, stop reading all the clippings, 17-0, and all-time team. You, know, you guys almost got beat. So... Uh, to me, there, there's a lot of positives that they can take away from that. But BC, North Carolina right now, that's Ali Frazier and women's lacrosse. It's great. Um, you being a Syracuse guy, I mean, the, the third-ranked team in the country is Syracuse. And, and, I mean, you Heck of a league. I know. But, I mean, my point is, though, you're like, hey, we're going to get one, two. We're going to see these guys one more time, right, up and above Saturday. But if you're Syracuse, you're sitting back going, guess what? You know, we're the third-ranked team in the country. Yeah, Virginia got us in the ACC tournament. Good for Virginia. Probably played themselves in the dance. Big picture to keep that streak alive. Uh, but what about Syracuse when we start going to the next level? Yeah, again, when you look at Syracuse, who have they lost to? They lost to BC by two goals. They lost to Carolina by two. Yes, Virginia. Um, early in the season to, to Northwestern and Florida. This is still a very good team. Let's not forget they played in the NCAA championship game a year ago. First-year head coach Kayla Trainer has done an amazing job. Uh, Megan Tyrell. You know, closing in on what a hundred points almost. They just this have season. not been able to get healthy. 
No, that's been the problem. But I, I thought last year that was the most impressive part of their run. They would lose star player after star player to injury, and somebody else would step up. All of a sudden, it was you know Emma Tyrell last year. Now you got Harrishuk back. To me, Syracuse is still a player. I still think they're capable of getting to championship weekend. BC and UNC, though, just seem to be on a different level than everybody else. You know, that that's the chess game. Everyone else is checkers. When it comes to lacrosse, and you'll know this better than me, because this is this is written your sweet spot. I mean, the fact that we have a North Carolina BC thing, which is really kind of now developed into an incredible rivalry. And by the way, come to the top of the hour. We're going to talk about great regular season matchups in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference, regardless of sport, that have kind of take center stage. It's just like they're a cut above everybody else, and you wait in anticipation. We're going to have some fun with the fans and calls and tweets and all that good stuff coming up top of the hour. But BC and North Carolina have been able to provide that on the women's side. Yes. You just talked about Duke-Notre Dame, right, which we get this week on the men's side that have had that history where, you know what, there's been anguish, there's been an anxiety about going into a match like that. Where else would you go from an ACC perspective in years past that reaches what we're getting right now with BC and North Carolina? It's hard to find one because you have to look at where women's lacrosse is as a sport. And these are two programs that are elevating everybody. It's elevating the sport. Women's lacrosse right now is more visible than it's ever been. So when you have this great rivalry to add more eyeballs to it, to make it even more visible. It's tough for anything to compare. There were years where women's lacrosse pre-shot clock would have its championship games and semifinal games, and they'd be on TV, and a team would go up by three, four goals and hold the ball for a quarter. That did not do the game any favors long-term. They put in a shot clock. It's changed the game. When you see a generational, transcendent, Rushmore type of talent like Charlotte North, who... You know, has street cred not only on the women's side, but the men's side and the pro game. You know, the, the, the biggest stars in this game are tweeting and retweeting and sharing Charlotte North's goals, men's and women's. I mean, she is that kind of figure. I, I'll make the case she's the biggest name in college lacrosse, period, men or women right now. So the entire game, the entire profile of the sport has been elevated in large part to Charlotte North and what she's done at BC but to really do it, you need a rival, right? I mean, what were the Yankees without the Red Sox or the Dodgers? What were you know the, the the 49ers in the 80s without the Cowboys? What were the Steelers without the Raiders? You know, when you look at how leagues grow and how sports grow, the Celtics and the Lakers is a great example. We're right. watching the show right on HBO. Uh, so I think when you have the rivalry to add in with the star power and you cocktail that together, it is made, I think, for just a great moment for that sport as a whole. And we're seeing women's lacrosse as a whole. I mean, you know, I, I turn on your show and you know, I see Dana Boyle and, and she and Stanwick and the excitement around that game and the visibility, the publicity around it. It's as good as it's ever been. And, you know, players on those teams and those teams in particular have a lot to do with it. You know what I think is cool? And again, I, I am a layman when it comes to lacrosse. There's a lot of folks that have probably never watched the lacrosse match that turned to our show and I go, man, these guys are talking lacrosse all the time in the spring. Well, the sport's growing like crazy, number one. Uh, the league is really good, number two. But the other thing is when you see everyone say Charlotte North might be the best lacrosse player, period. Period. We're not talking about women's lacrosse. We're talking about lacrosse. It's not even a might. It, she is. And to me, I think that's cool. We've had her on the show a bunch. I think she's going to schedule to be on maybe this, later this week. Um, 
but she's a joy to talk to. I mean, she and she's got it totally in perspective, which is what I respect from her. Because it'd be easy to pull the bolt, you know, the big head. Hey, I'm Charlotte North. Hey, I'm walk on water. Yada yada yada. She's not that way at all. She's about as humble a star as we've dealt with on this show. And she just goes out and plays, man. Every time you watch her, she gives you something every time you see her and you go, wow, I've never seen that before. It's really cool what she does. And she's got the personality to match, too. You talk to her. She's bubbly. She's energetic. Yeah. She has, you know, just that inner self-confidence that comes through. But it's not a cockiness. She just can play, man. Yeah, and there's that authenticity. It... it it's somebody that when you're watching from afar, you're like, I'm going to root for her. Yeah. I like her. Right. I, you know, I like the way she plays. Uh, then you watch Jamie Ortega, the score for North Carolina. Oh. It's a totally different game. Yes. But spectacular. Spectacular. Right? Awesome. Spectacular. So, you know, we're at a really good moment in women's lacrosse right now. The sport as a whole, it's growing. I mean, shoot, you know, we're not far from Weddington, North Carolina here, where... Yeah, they, they had a guy who was a heck of a lacrosse player, Will Shipley, who's now the running back at Clemson. Right. You know, he almost played lacrosse in college. So yeah, th this is ACC country now, and we're starting to see kids outside of Baltimore and Long Island. I mean, we're seeing kids now from Florida and, and North Carolina and Georgia, out west California, the Pacific Northwest. The, the, the game is growing. The tentacles are reaching to a lot of corners where – we didn't get it before, and especially in the women's game, it's really cool to see. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Again, 6 o'clock Saturday night, we've got the game. Number one, North Carolina. Number two, Boston College. Nine for an ACC championship. Bragging rights and then some. And these things are going to see each other at least one more time. First go round was 16-15. Great regular season game. Should be a great championship game. And speaking of unbelievable matchups in the regular season, that's exactly where we're going coming up the top of the hour in the history of the ACC, regardless of sport, what are the matchups that immediately pop in your head when you go, man, do you remember when? We're going to get into all of that in hour number two. 844-SAY-ACCN. You can call in and have some fun with that topic as well. Anish, filling in for Wes. It's Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.